We're in the impossible series, all these impossible things. And when Paul told me he was going to do this series, um, do not worry is what I wanted. I've, I historically have had to learn to deal with worry and anxiety, and I've, and I've watched it destroy people. Um, I've seen people in my family struggle with this concept. And I realized in the cave, in doing my research and spending my time with the Lord, that I can't begin to cover the whole aspects of how you go through, but I can, I can give you a glimpse into the scripture and, and, and give you the starting point. Many of you may know these scriptures, um, but there is hope and it's possible. And in a life where you pursue the Lord and your significant other is pursuing the Lord with equal abandon, um, it's remarkable things can happen. And if you're pursuing the Lord alone and you're praying for that significant other, other to pursue with you, remarkable things can happen. I just want you to know it's possible. There is a there's hope. Um, I also want you to know that our society um, and our as parents, we do things unintentionally that put these tapes in our head, these performance tapes. I think in the United States were were wound up so tight because things like just do your best. Anybody ever hear that? You ever said that to your kids? I quit saying that uh, because I realized that it's impossible to always be at your best. There are and an athlete will train slowly and work their way up to the Olympics to peak at that day to do their best for that day or for that week. But they're not at their best as they work their way up. And so we, we have these incredible standards that we set for ourselves um, that are many times unrealistic. And it, 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 I mean, we put that on our kids. And so I want to talk a little bit more about that when we, when we get into it. Psalm 37, be still before the Lord. That's that quiet time in the morning. That's a secret. Uh, Psalm 91, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High rests in the shadow of the Almighty. Where's your cave or your prayer closet? Where do you go? Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when people succeed in their, should say, evil ways. When they carry out their wicked schemes, refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret. It only leads to evil. We are commanded not to fret. We're, we're not suggested. The Lord commands us not to fret. Now, that doesn't mean when we feel anxiety that that feeling's wrong. We can't control how we feel, but we can control how we react to it. So that feeling of anxiety to me is a clue that, uh-oh, I need to go get still before the Lord. Whenever I feel anxiety and it wells up in me, that's my clue that I need to go get still with the Lord. This is a life verse for me, not Mark Twain, uh, but Philippians 4, and I, I, it's 4, 6 is, but I added some of the other verses just before and after so you can see the context. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. There's a, there's a clue to always rejoicing 
in the Lord. There's a gratefulness. If you can begin to develop the mindset of always rejoicing in all circumstances and trusting the Lord, even when it hurts, when there are things that are going on in your life that hurt, to try and find some joyful time with the Lord and, and, and just being here on Sunday and worshiping is, helps fill me up. It's so encouraging when we're worshiping together. It, it helps me. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be, hear this command again. Do not be anxious about anything. And then he gives you a clue how to, how to deal with that. But what are the tools we need? Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, we go to the Lord. We present our anxieties to the Lord with thanksgiving. Thank you, Lord. I don't know why you've given me this challenge, but I'm, I'm grateful for my family. I'm grateful for my time on this earth. I'm grateful for the health I have, whatever part of health that is. I'm grateful, Father, this challenge you've given me. Present your request to God with thanksgiving. He wants us to be joyful and rejoice and to have a thankful heart. Man, that's hard to do sometimes. Present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I went through a very difficult time in 2012 when um, Carrie and I were faced with you know, being separated from uh, and, and starting our new company, separated from the old company, starting the new company. That was a tumultuous time, to say the least. Uh, we, we, had, we didn't have the money to start a new company. Uh, we, we, had the, we were talking about selling our house and moving into an apartment and taking the equity in our home to, to start the business. And Howard and I were having those conversations. And um, I can remember just constantly being poured out uh, to the Lord. And this verse came from so many different places, from so many different people. And, and I went to Carrie and I said, sweetheart, if we, we were having fun and crazy about each other when we lived in an apartment when we first got married and had no money and I had to borrow the money for the wedding ring. And I said, would you be okay if we took that kind of risk? And she said, yes. She said, I don't care. That's not important to me. So there's a principle in there that we're going to get to in a minute. And we were able to have supernatural peace and knowing that failure is an option. You know, if you're not failing, you're not trying. So I'm not naive enough to believe that, that God wouldn't allow me to fail in my effort. But we were willing to do it because we, we trusted the Lord. We, we felt like we were ready. Um, we sought wise counsel, and we just took the risk. And the Lord has blessed that. And we made the company his company. So that's a life verse you need to have. He loves us. I, I love God. Um, I, I love him because he, he, there's love everywhere around if you could just find it. You just look for it. Uh, and, and, and that's where I want us to be. One of the reasons I love this topic, and I think, Paul, we need to do, a, a, you could do a series over a whole summer or a fall on how do you, what are the tools, how do you, how do you, Prepare your life and your family and your balance will, if you would, to be able to experience the fullness of God all the time. Now, it starts very simply, right? Love God and love your neighbor. Love God and love your neighbor. You know, that's the, if you don't 
remember anything else, dealing with anxiety starts there. Because love requires us to be calm and candid when challenged. You know, when somebody challenges your kids rebel or you've got a mean boss, um, if we're calm and candid and we love God and we love our boss who doesn't deserve to be loved sometimes, but we love him anyway, um, we, 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 we benefit. So, for I'm convinced that neither death nor life nor angels or demons neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. There are only a few things. We would come into this world with nothing. There were really only a few things that matter. Loving our God, seeking him and his wise counsel through his word, and loving our neighbor. And, you know, the neighbor includes, obviously, our family loving our family well. And we're given a work to do, and we're, 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 we're given all of these external things that in, impact us, and we get distracted from that. And the pressures of maybe we've made some really poor decisions financially, and we're dealing with that. Or maybe we, we, we had anger, or we still have anger issues, and we're, we're learning to deal with that. We're on our journey. But because of our anger, we've alienated people in our family or our friends maybe even the people we love the most. Well, forgiveness is a beautiful thing, right? 70 times 7. So when, when you develop this mindset of loving God and loving your neighbor, you're going you're gonna to develop a tool called forgiveness. 70 times 7. That resonates with me when I finally got that concept of 70 times 7 in my head. Um, I, I stopped reacting in anger. And in wrath, when someone cut me off in traffic, that's a great indicator of where you are on, because it surprises you. Uh, the other day, Carrie and I were, were just yesterday, or day before yesterday, we we're on a country road, and out of nowhere, this car whips around on a two-lane road, and we missed a head-on collision by, and, and I normally drive way too fast, and for whatever reason, God had me driving really slow on that road. In fact, Carrie was observing She's like, what's the deal? You know, we're kind of, we need to get home. And I think for whatever reason, God was protecting us from that head-on collision. Um, we, we need to be loved, and we need to love. And we've, 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 there's so many wonderful people in the body of Christ that are on their journey that are capable of such great love. That's a secret. I love these pictures. Content, Philippians 4, 10 through 13. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. This is Paul. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned. Here's the important part. I have learned in whatever situation I'm to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. Have you ever been brought low? Have you ever been in a bound? You know, those experiences are different. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and facing hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Man, you know, that's a, that's a, that's a powerful verse. 
Where are you in your balance wheel relative to this first? No. Uh, biggest thing we have is fear that we're not in control or that we're going to lose our stuff. As we get older, how terrifying is it to think that our 401k plan could get wiped out or we don't have one and we're going to have to rely on the government to take care of us. There is something magical when you learn to rely on the Lord and you, and you, let, and you don't hold on too tight to anything but him. Anything else we hold on too tight becomes an idol and is an automatic stressor because then we worry about it. You know, if we're holding on too tight to our 401k, then we're watching it every day. You know, we're three times a day when the markets are doing this, you know, and we're just stressed out. How do I know? Because I've done that before. You know? Uh, but when I, when I work at Mission Arlington, and I see how, that, that's where I go. You know, that's like my temple mount, my holy place. And I see how joyful the workers are. And, and many of the workers are missionaries for life at the mission. And they, have, they don't have anything but the mission and God's love. And there's great joy. So one of the things I hope to finish well on is not to hold on too tight to my stuff. House is a house, a car is a car. What matters are those relationships. And there's a triangle, okay? And the triangle is the people in your life, all right, God's at the top and they're on the corners. If you're all pursuing the Lord, as you get closer to the Lord, you get closer to each other. There's just something magical about that. It's true in any relationship. Any relationship, you can overcome the hurt and the anger and the pain, the 70 times 7 can be real if you're equally yoked and both of those parties are pursuing the Lord. And then you as a believer have the great capacity to forgive those that don't know the Lord and that are injuring you because of their lack of wisdom in the Word. I think this is the secret of being content, is being grateful in all things. I think this is such an important part. I love this quote. I still miss those I loved who are no longer with me, but I find I am grateful for having loved them. The gratitude has finally conquered the loss. Lost my dad a few years ago. Man, that was hard. Boy, man, am I grateful for him. He wasn't perfect. But you know what? His heart, he loved me. And, you know, I deal with kids in the inner city who don't have dads that love them. It breaks my heart because it's such a source of strength. And I'm so grateful that, that I had the time with my dad. And I so hope to those inner city kids that we can be dad to them a little bit, that they can, they can get a, a, a little bit of a window into um, somebody who loves them. You know, even if it's just a, for a season. We hope to go full-time with our kids next in 2019. And we're praying about that. So That's something you can be praying for. Today I'm so grateful that God knows my heart. 
Others may misunderstand my good intentions, find fault, blame, they don't understand, but God knows my heart. He knows I'm leaning, I'm trying, I'm endeavoring to be all he created me to be. I love this Ecclesiastes. This is what I have observed to be good. Now, this is, I'd love to unpack this on another week because we could spend a lot of time on this, and this is a real important tool for, for all of us. That is appropriate for a person to eat and drink and to find satisfaction in their labor under the sun during the few days life has given them. But this is their lot. This isn't, this isn't the one. There's another verse, sorry. There's another one coming up. I pulled the wrong one. I love this one, but it's not as important as the one coming up. Uh, God keeps them occupied with gladness of heart. Gratefulness is a state of mind. You can choose to find the things in your life that you're not grateful for, and you can dwell on them and be anxious about it, or you can choose to be grateful for what, what we do have. It's a, it's a state of mind. It's a real important, you know, I just walk around this place with my hands up in the, in the evening when you guys aren't looking, just saying thank you, Lord, just grateful to be a part of it. This is the one. This is the one. I love my Angelou. Brilliant. Philippians 4.8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, this is, this is how we should organize our time. When you think about TV, you know, I finally turned the TV off for about 10 years when my kids were growing up. Got rid of it because it didn't fit in this box. And... Um, I think of all the distractions that are out there that get in the way of love and interaction and a dinner table that's holy, uh, a place for a relationship where we can talk to each other. You know? And they're, 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 the devil wins. You know, If he can't get in front of you and stop you, he'll get behind you and push you. All these distractions. So we can't have relationships organically because there's so many distractions. So here's what Paul said. He said, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, Whatever's right, whatever's pure, lovely, admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So let's spend all our time there. Foul language falls away. The kind of music we listen to falls away. If we can instill in our young people that if they want a life that's less stressful with no anxiety, They've got to seek God's word and his wisdom. And think of all the things we did when we were young before we had any wisdom that caused so much stress and anxiety when we had to tell our parents what we were doing or we got caught. You know, it was awful. Well, as an adult, these things get bigger, you know. Um, our, 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 do our eyes stray as men in our marriages? That's, that's, that's not... That doesn't fit in the box. We can't do that. No. Um, what are the things you face? Do we, do we face temptation to spend more than we make? Um, and that creates stress. Do we have a lack of balance because we're striving so hard that we're, we're, we're distracted from our family and our kids? This is a great filter to put on the fridge to remember as we're looking at where am I spending the limited time that God gave me? Am I spending it on things? that are praiseworthy. Do you have a mission 
Have you written down your mission that you judge everything through? If you don't have a personal mission statement, how do you know with what you're doing fits your mission that God gave you? Go in the cave, write a mission statement. Mine, our company mission statement is creating value to restore hope by knowing him and making him known. Creating value, we have to do that, right, to attract capital. But why do we do it? To restore hope by knowing him and making him known. Man, if I can do that, finish well, and you know what, we're going to make it. But my personal mission is just to know him and make him known. Because Jesus gave me that. When he prayed right before he was arrested for us, that's what he prayed. Father, I want them to know you and to make you known. And then Psalm 91, that's a great psalm if you're struggling with anxiety or you're worried about something. That's the psalm that our warriors pray before they go into battle. It's an awesome psalm. When you're faced with something so powerful, when Jesus was in the garden praying and literally bleeding, I believe he was dwelling on Psalm 91. This is a prayer I want you to have. And I want, to, I want you to pray it with me. And there, this is all scripture. And after the, if you want this, we'll send it to you. Just pray along with me. Heavenly Father, I thank you that I have been delivered from the power of darkness and translated into the kingdom of your dear Son. I commit to live free from worry in the name of Jesus, for the law of the Spirit of the life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. I humble myself under your mighty hand that in due time you may exalt me. I cast my whole of my cares. What, what are your cares? Just for a minute, just what comes to mind. I cast the whole of my cares, my anxieties, all my worries, all my concerns, once and for all on you. You care for me affectionately and care about me watchfully. You sustain me. You will never allow the consistently righteous to be moved, made to slip, fall, or fail. Father, I delight myself in you and and you perfect that which concerns me. I cast down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of you, and I bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. I lay aside every weight and the sin of worry, which does try so easily to beset me. I run with patience the race that is set before me, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of my faith. I thank you, Father, that you're able to keep that which I have committed unto you. I I think on, fix my mind on those things that are true, honest, just, pure, lovely, of good report, virtuous, and deserving of praise. I will not let my heart be troubled. I abide in your word. Your word abides in me. Therefore, Father, I do not forget what manner of person I am. I look into the perfect law of liberty and continue therein, being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the word, and thus blessed in my doing. Thank you, Father. I am carefree. I walk in the peace with passes all understanding in Jesus' name, amen. Are you there? That's possible. Man, there are moments now I'm there. I haven't always been able to say that, but it's possible. And it's not about success in business or even, even that your kids are all doing good. Man, it's not about that. It's not about that. It's about abiding in him. One of the things about Saints Church is we want to equip you for works of service, not, not because 
we think we, we should do works of service, but because we want you to experience being carefree. There's something magical about partnering with God and, and expanding his kingdom. You can either worry or trust God, but you can't do both. So I'm coming back to what I said before. When you feel anxiety, that's okay. You can't help what you feel, but you can help what you do with it. You can help what you do with it. Free will is the ultimate gift from God, but it has consequences. You can use your free will to choose love, to love him, or you can choose to leave him. Both have consequences. When you disobey God's word in basic things like managing finances, okay, we, we can't always do our best, so don't beat yourself up. But when we disobey God's word, there are consequences. So if you are struggling in a particular area and you need help, call me. I may not have the answer, but I'll pray with you and I'll talk through it with you. Now, whatever that area may be, whether it's marriage or finances or whatever, I, I can share my experience only. But if that can help someone get through a tough time, Lord knows I've been through them. And it sure is nice to have someone come alongside. All right. I want to finish on a fun note. There's a video, and I apologize. Normally I don't do videos, but this is so good and so poignant. So we're going to watch a, a, a video. It's 10 minutes. If you have to go, I understand. But I think it'll be worth it. The wisest person I ever met in my life, a third grade dropout. Wisest and dropout in the same sentence is rather oxymoronic, like jumbo shrimp. Mm-hmm. Like fun run. Ain't nothing fun about it. Like Microsoft works. Y'all don't hear me. I used to say like country music, but I've lived in Texas so long. I, I love country music now. I, back, yeah. I hunt, I fish, I have cowboy boots and cowboy, y'all I'm a black neck redneck. Do you hear what I'm saying to you? No longer oxymoronic for me to say country music. And it's not oxymoronic for me to say third grade and dropout. That third grade dropout, the wisest person I ever met in my life who taught me to combine knowledge and wisdom to make an impact was my father. A simple cook. Wisest man I ever met in my life. Just a simple cook. Left school in the third grade to help out on the family farm, but just because he left school doesn't mean his education stopped. Mark Twain once said, I've never allowed my schooling to get in the way of my education. My father taught himself how to read, taught himself how to write, decided in the midst of Jim Crowism, as America was breathing the last gasp of the Civil War, my father decided he was gonna stand and be a man. Not a black man, not a brown man, not a white man, but a man. He literally challenged himself to be the best that he could all the days of his life. I have four degrees. My brother is a judge. We're not the smartest ones in our family. It's a third grade dropout daddy. Uh, a third grade dropout daddy who was quoting Michelangelo, saying to us, boys, I won't have a problem if you aim high and miss, but I'm gonna have a real issue if you aim low and hit. Uh, a country mother quoting Henry Ford, saying if you think you can or if you think you can't, you're right. I learned that from a third grade drop, simple lessons, lessons like these. Son, you'd rather be an hour early 
than a minute late. We never knew what time it was in my house because the clocks were always ahead. My mother said for nearly 30 years, my father left the house at 3.45 in the morning. One day she asked him, why daddy? He said, maybe one of my boys will catch me in the act of excellence. I want to share two things with you. Aristotle said, you are what you repeatedly do. Therefore, excellence ought to be a habit, not an act. Don't ever forget that. I know you're tough, but always remember to be kind. Always. Don't ever forget that. Never embarrass mama. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. If daddy ain't happy, don't nobody care. But you know, I tell you. Next lesson. Lesson from a cook over there in the galley. Son, make sure your servant's towel is bigger than your ego. Ego is the anesthesia that deadens the pain of stupidity. Y'all might have a relative in mind you want to send that to. Let me say it again. Ego is the anesthesia that deadens the pain of stupidity. Pride is the burden of a foolish person. John Wooden coached basketball at UCLA for a living, but his calling was to impact people. And with all those national championships, guess what he was found doing in the middle of the week? Going into the cupboard, grabbing a broom, and sweeping his own gym floor. You want to make an impact? Find your broom. Every day of your life, you find your broom. You grow your influence that way. That way you're attracting people so that you can impact them. Final lesson. Son, if you're gonna do a job, do it right. I've always been told how average I can be. Always been criticized about being average. But I wanna tell you something. I stand here before you, before all of these people, not listening to those words, but telling myself every single day to shoot for the stars, to be the best that I can be. Good enough isn't good enough if it can be better, and better isn't good enough if it can be best. Let me close with a very personal story that I think will bring all this into focus. Wisdom will come to you in the unlikeliest of sources, a lot of times through failure. When you hit rock bottom, remember this. While you're struggling, rock bottom can also be a great foundation on which to build and on which to grow. I'm not worried that you'll be successful. I'm worried that you won't fail from time to time. Person that gets up off the canvas and keeps growing, that's the person that will continue to grow their influence. Back in the 70s, to help me make this point, let me introduce you to someone. I met the finest woman I'd ever met in my life. Mm-hmm. Back in my day, we'd have called her a brick house. This woman was the finest woman I'd ever seen in my life. There's just one little problem. Back then, ladies didn't like big old linemen. The blind side hadn't come out yet. <laughs> they, they like quarterbacks and running backs. We're at this dance, and I find out her name is Trina Williams from Lompoc, California. And, and we were all dancing, and we're, we're just, just excited. And I decide in the middle of dancing with her that I would ask her for her phone number. She, Trina was the first one. Trina was the only woman in college who gave me her real telephone number. The next day, we walked to Baskin and Robbins ice cream parlor. My friends couldn't believe it. This has been 40 years ago, and my friends still can't believe it. We go on a second date, and a third date, and a fourth date. Mm-hmm. We drive from Chico to Vallejo so that she could meet my parents. My father meets her, my daddy, my hero. He meets her, 
pulls me to the side and says, is she psycho? But anyway, <laughs> we go together for a year, two years, three years, four years. By now, Trina's a senior in college. I'm still a freshman, but I'm working some things out. <laughs> I'm so glad I graduated in four terms. Nixon, Ford, Carter, Reagan. <laughs> so now it's, it's, it's time to propose. So I talk to her girlfriends and it's California. It's in the 70s, so it has to be outside. You have to have a candle and you have to have, you know, some chocolate. Listen, I'm from the hood. I had a bottle of Boone's Farm wine. That's what I had. She said yes. That was the key. I married the most beautiful woman I'd ever seen in my life. Y'all ever been to a wedding? And even before the wedding starts, you hear this. How in the world? <laughs> and it was coming from my side of the family. <laughs> we get married, we have a few children. Our lives are great. One day, Trina finds a lump in her left breast. Breast cancer. Six years after that diagnosis, me and my two little boys walked up to mommy's casket. And for two years, my heart didn't beat. If it wasn't for my faith in God, I, I wouldn't be standing here today. If it wasn't for those two little boys, there would have been no reason for which to go on. I was completely lost. That was rock bottom. You know what sustained me? The wisdom of a third grade dropout. The wisdom of a simple cook. We're at the casket. I'd never seen my dad cry. But this time I saw my dad cry. That was his daughter. Trina was his daughter, not his daughter-in-law. And I'm right behind my father about to see her for the last time on this earth. And my father shared three words with me that changed my life right there at the casket. It would be the last lesson he would ever teach me. He said, son, just stand. You keep standing. You keep standing, no matter how rough the sea, you keep standing. And I'm not talking about just water. You keep standing. No matter what, you don't give up. And as clearly as I'm talking to you today, these were some of her last words to me. She looked me in the eye and she said, it doesn't matter to me any longer how long I live. What matters to me most is how I live. I ask y'all one question, a question that I was asked all my life by a third grade dropout. How you living? How you living? Every day, ask yourself that question, how you living? Here's, here's what a cook would suggest you to live this way. That you would not judge, that you would show up early, that you'd be kind, that you'd make sure that that servant's town is huge and used. That if you're gonna do something, you do it the right way. That, that, that cook would tell you this, that it's never wrong to do the right thing. That how you do anything, is how you do everything. And in that way, you will grow your influence to make an impact. In that way, you will honor all those who have gone before you, who have invested in you. Look in those unlikeliest places for wisdom. Enhance your life every day by seeking that wisdom and asking yourself every night, how am I living? May God richly bless y'all. Thank you for having me.
if we, if we, this matters, this stuff matters. It's so hard to convey in an hour or 30 minutes how important what we're doing matters so that, you know, when the tough times come, you're prepared. But we are going to be in, in eternity with the Lord, and I believe that with all my heart. So I'm loving doing life with this body, and I'm grateful that you're willing to invest in my life. And I just know that and know how deeply, even though I don't get to visit with everybody enough, how much I do care. And, and we can make a difference in this community for people who don't even know they need it. Let's close in prayer. Father, we're, uh, Father, show us how we're living. Help us, Father, to keep the main thing the main thing, which is to love you and to love our neighbors.